The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Farm Pitcher List podcast about all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. I am your host, Lamar Gibson, and today I have yet another special guest with us. I have Nick Richards. Um, we're going to get into talking about spring training, what we've been seeing from prospects, and some young guys, what we like, and some things to look out for as the season is on its way, about to begin both for the minor leagues as well as for MLB. And just to give you a rundown about Nick Richards, he's been writing for Baseball HQ for the past 10 years, most recently as their minor league analyst. And he started MILBanalysis.com two years ago. And that's the site that I really wanted him to to jump on here and break down. Nick, thanks so much for joining today's show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Lamar. I really appreciate it. This is a great podcast that I've heard, and I'm always glad to talk about minor league prospects with knowledgeable audiences and uh, pitcher list readers are definitely knowledgeable people. So very glad to do so. Perfect. And before we go around uh, both uh, major league and minor leagues, I I wanted to talk about your site. And again, that's MILBanalysis.com. If you guys don't already know about it, definitely check out this. The site has a lot of good write-ups. It's just been growing and growing with breakdowns of prospects. And I want to ask you, Nick, what made you start that particular site? Um, and then I have some follow-ups about the, the types of players and analysis that you like to, yeah. to break down. Sure. Um, well, as you mentioned, um, I've been working with uh, Baseball HQ. And part of my duties is part of the uh, daily prospect write-ups, part of a team where every single day through the season, anybody who's minor league eligible gets called up to the major leagues for the first time we write about them. doesn't matter who they are. We're one of the few sites that will write about a 30-year-old third-string catcher who's called up because the second-string guy went on paternity leave for a couple of days. We write about them. And that's a good thing. And over the years, it's taught me how to analyze these guys. You know, very quickly get a handle on, are you going to be interested in this guy from a fantasy perspective? Or is just, this is a nice story for him and his family, but otherwise nothing for us. And I also, for them, once a year, I write an article that um, is called Finding Next Year's Top Prospects. 
And what I do is I artificially limit myself to double A guys who are not in this year's top 100, but who are playing well enough that they could very well be in next year's top 100. It's an article that comes out typically in June. The idea being to tip you off to the guys you should be grabbing before your league mates see the next year's top 100 list. So in both cases, I'm a little bit artificially limited, right? I, I've artificially limited myself on the next year's top prospects, just the double A guys who are not already in the top 100. On the daily call-ups, it's just whoever gets called up, whether I have any interest in them or not, we're writing about them. Well, a couple of years ago, when the pandemic started and I had some time on my hands, I thought, you know, I've done this enough. I have a lot of knowledge about how to do this. Uh, the next year's top prospects, I did a look back and I had like an 80% success rate where I found where success is defined as eventually comes up and has at least positive fantasy value. That's a success, right? Anybody comes up and gives you at least a buck's worth of fantasy value. It, it works. It tips you off. So I thought, I have this knowledge. Let me put this down in a book. So I wrote a book, a visual guide to minor leaguers, and I started a website to essentially let me, as a hobby, write about anybody I was interested in. Now I was free. I could do anything I wanted. And if a guy was interesting to me, I could write about him. And over the last two years, I've done 150 now of these in-depth visual analysis. By visual, I mean I throw charts and graphs and embedded videos, and I use color coding, and I, I really try to use information that will pop out to the reader to say, hey, look at why this guy's interesting. And because it's just guys that I find interesting, I hope it works for everybody else too. That is like, oh, there's a reason this is an interesting player. Maybe you'd be interested too. So that's a that's a great breakdown of, of what got the site started. And, and I'll be honest, I'm blanking on exactly when I started following you on Twitter and when I started checking out the site. But I know it's been um, at least a, a year or so. And um, like I said before, continue, continue to see it grow and grow and build and build. And it's one of those things where um, in the fantasy community, and I'm sure you know this, especially with dynasty players, when you see other people start to write about uh, and talk about guys that you're like, I think there's something there. It's just that warm, fuzzy feeling of like, I think I'm right. And this <laughs> yeah. is that confirmation bias. Um, exactly. So so there were definitely a few players that uh, you and I were, were talking about either via Twitter or I just saw um, that you were jumping on. And I was like, okay, cool. I, I, I thought about this guy too. Uh, we've had some some previous guests, um, Kyle uh, Goings uh, previously, mm -hmm. and um, talking about pitcher digs, and uh, yep. I definitely was using that as well. So it was like a nice triumvirate. Yeah, it was like a nice triumvirate <laughs> of like, okay, cool, Nick's on them, Kyle's on them. Okay, I must be hitting on something <laughs> here, right? I'm uh, the same way. Yeah. I'm the same way. I yeah. love it when someone else picks on someone that I've also noticed. I said, yes, I've got somebody here. Perfect, perfect. So, um. The other question, the, the one of the follow-ups that I wanted to have is, you know, you, and you kind of talked about already the types of players that you look at, but are there, I want to dig into that a little bit more and, and ask, like, are there specifics as far as player types? I know um, yes. with fantasy, we tend to have certain guys that just attract us, right? Like, I, I think I mentioned in a previous uh, episode that if you give me, like, a toolsy outfielder, I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm, I'm salivating. 
it doesn't really right. matter. <laughs> I'm just like, right. I think there there could be something there. I don't know what it is. So I know everybody right. kind of has their different types. Uh, so talk yeah. to me about like the types of players that you tend to be attracted to. Yeah, I'm the bat control guy. You do more uh, walks and strikeouts. I'm all over you, right? Um, I'm not really going to focus too much on top 100 guys on MIBanalysis.com because you know about them already, right? I typically am going to grab guys who are sort of like these pop-up prospects, guys who were not on the list. Scouts haven't written much about them, but they're suddenly putting up numbers, and I want to dig into it and say, is there something there? Sometimes there is nothing there. They're putting up numbers because they're hitting in Las Vegas or Albuquerque, and of course they're hitting there because everybody hits there. The bat boy hits 300 in Las Vegas, right? And sometimes you get a pitcher who's just suddenly dominating, and then you realize, no, it's the low A Southeast League, which is very friendly to pitchers. Oh, okay. But sometimes you see a guy no one's heard of, and the numbers tell you, oh, something's cooking here. Give you an example. The article that I've written on my site that's gotten the most traffic is for Jaden Murray, a right-hand pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. And I wrote about him in August of last year. And what I noticed about him was it wasn't that he was so dominating in his strikeouts. His walk rate was good. The guy was allowing 5% walks in 2019, 2021, high A, 2021, double A. I, I get the impression the guy is like this robot. He, he will not throw more or less than 5% walks, no matter where he is. He w- wakes up from sleep and throws 5% walks. But what got my attention was his whip. In 2019, he had a 0.967 whip. In 2021, in high A, he had a 0.694 whip. In double A, he had a 0.641 whip, and he's not a reliever. This is a starting pitcher who is somehow, without striking out the world, he is keeping guys off the bases. Now, if he's only walking 5% of the guys, the other part of the whip equation means he must not be giving very many hits. And that was true. In high A, he held batters to a 149 average. In double A, to a 136 average. Who is this guy? So I'm looking at it, and all that I could read was, oh, no, don't worry about this guy. He's just a, a two-pitch guy. He doesn't throw very fast. So what, what is he doing? And I found an article on Fangrass where he talked about him being a spin rate sleeper. Oh, maybe there is something there. And then I'm a, a Patreon supporter of Prospects Live, and they had a daily report where they mentioned two things that were interesting. One, his fastball was touching 97. Aha. He increased his velocity. And two, he wasn't just a two-pitch pitcher. He also now had an average changeup. That was new. And so now this is a guy who could stay a starting pitcher. And the spin rate tells you that he's got good movement on his pitches and he's got velocity now. And so suddenly this is a real pitching prospect. So that was a great one to find because the scouts hadn't really focused on him 
But now they're starting to notice that, hey, all right, he'll never be probably an ace pitcher in the major leagues, but a number four, number five starter, absolutely. And of course, it's the Rays, so it'll probably be a middle reliever, but he can still make the major leagues and provide value. And of course, and I think the Rays come up pretty much every uh, episode we've done thus far this season in some way, <laughs> yeah. shape, or form, as they should. But yes. uh, just to reiterate again, you know, the guys that the Rays develop, whether it be pitching or um, hitters, that's also value because we know those are the guys that they're willing to trade as well, right? They're the, they're the guys that they're willing to, to package together, consolidate to get yes. the major league veteran that they need to make their playoff push as they do almost every year. So just like you said with uh, Jaden Murray, who's a, a great example, and I appreciate that breakdown. Uh, that may be a guy that maybe never gets it for the Rays, but he and a couple other guys get packaged and sit yes. in July to another team that is much less uh, pitcher heavy. Suddenly the number four starter for Pittsburgh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there's still value to be had, even if he's not touching the major leagues with uh, the Tampa team uh, to begin with. So that's a great breakdown. I yeah. really appreciate that. And that's a, that's a really good example. And that's the sort of stuff uh, just for the readers to know. That's the sort of stuff that you're getting by going to Nick's site. Um, let me ask you this. And I think you kind of already answered this as well, but uh, who are a couple of prospects that have been your sort of favorite or maybe the most eye-opening for you to break down on the site? Okay. Um, I have a, my Twitter handle is Nick Richards HQ. And I asked at one point for readers to just make some suggestions. Who should I write about? And one guy suggested Justin Brule in May of 2020. So almost two years ago, I had never heard of the guy. Now we know he's in the bullpen for the Dodgers or has been, right? But at the time, never heard of him. And I looked at him and I thought, well, yeah, he's a reliever in the minor leagues. Nobody cares about relievers in the minor leagues. Not even, not even minor league analysts care about relievers in the minor leagues, right? We just ignore that. It was his father who suggested it. It was Justin's father who wow. said, hey, write about my son. Wow. So, all right, I got to do this. So I, I did that. And it was like eye-opening. It's like, oh, whoa, this is, all right, he's a reliever. But, you know, a whip under one, he's striking out a third of the batters he's, he's faced. He, against right-handers, he holds them to a 182 average, left-handers to a 192. I thought, okay, this is good. If he gets to double A and he continues this dominance, he'll be up into the Dodgers bullpen soon. And a year later, he was in the Dodgers bullpen. And that was an example that talent can be found many places. And sometimes as fantasy players, we don't care about these guys, but they have value to the major league teams and they get called up. And so it's fun to learn about guys that you would otherwise have ignored if his father hadn't suggested him. And so good for dad for saying, look at my son. And now his son is a major leaguer. He was right. Oh, that's, that's, that's a very cool story, actually. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, that's a really good point. And as far as relievers are concerned, we tend to overlook and, and undervalue simply because, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of 
I think for a lot of people that know a whole lot of meat on the bones, right? It's like, okay, right. the, the guy is only pitching how many innings in the minor leagues to begin with. So how many right. more innings is he really going to pitch in the major league, especially knowing how pitching has changed overall. So everybody's innings are kind of dropping to begin with. So why am I even taking the time out? But again, right. you, you, you never know. It's good to just keep an eye, right? You don't have to invest a lot from a fantasy standpoint. You don't have to spend right. major fab dollars, anything that, that nature, <clears throat> but it's good to have a little short list of some guys where, Hey, this this guy. Okay, it's only two pitches, but he's really effective. Like I said, he's striking out a third. He's getting yeah. really good splits. If you get a, a really dominant fastball slider combo, um, you can do that in the pen all day long. And it's true, most of the great relievers in the major leagues were former starters, and that's why we tend to ignore the relievers. But as you say, sometimes some of these guys are so dominant in the minor leaguers, they come up and they start dominating in the major leagues too. All right. With that being said, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with Nick Richards of MILB Analysis. Hey, Alex Fast here. And thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription where you're going to get an ad free website and get access to our discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year round for as low as eight dollars a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, and we're back with Nick Richards, who is the creator of the site MILBanalysis.com, as well as being a writer for Baseball HQ. So, Nick, I want to talk about what we've seen or what we've kind of heard from both the Major League and Minor League Spring Training sites. Uh, we're going to start with the majors, of course. And with the nature of this offseason, we haven't really seen the position battles or the sort of out-of-nowhere pop-up guys that grab a spot on a 26-man roster like we normally see in the past. And I'm thinking last season about the Akil Badus, the Huascar Noahs, the Adelise Garcias, who really were able to use a, a full traditional spring training camp to open up eyes on teams that had spots uh, available and really, you know, took the bull by the horns, earned their spot. Uh, of course, Badu shows out on opening day with a home run to start his career. Uh, you know, it was really, really good until he broke his hand, which is a whole nother thing. Um, and then out of least, even though I know he, he definitely fell off in the second half, he, he put on the show as yes, an older rookie as well. So we haven't really seen the, those types of stories because of that abbreviated nature where, you know, a lot of teams are trying to get their regular guys as much work as possible as the season is about to start. But um, there are always some guys that are an injury or just a really good month at that double layer, triple layer away from being called up. So I, I think we are going to see a slew, especially on the pitching side, because of the abbreviated nature. I think we're going to see a slew of guys that are going to sit in double A AA or triple A until about May if they're really good. And then we're going to start to see some names start to, to pop up in the major league as far as making their rookie appearances. So um, 
with all that being said, with that sort of preamble, who are some prospects at the major league level or, or in the major league camp that are catching your attention? Yeah, one of the the tricks to this is always looking for the teams that have uh, traded away players and are sort of going into a rebuild. Uh, some teams are continually doing that, but others, you know, you can really focus on that. Uh, Cincinnati Reds, someone has to pitch for them, right? Like they, they, don't, they don't have Castillo. Dunn's not ready. Someone's got to do it. And so between Nick Lodolo or Hunter Green, I expect one of them will actually break camp with the team. I'm guessing it's going to be Nick Lodolo. He had the advantage of being able, he was not part of the locked out group. So he was able to be part of the minor league camp and really get revved up for the the season. And so far, so good. I mean, he's faced 19 batters in spring training, struck out six of them. That's fine. So he's not doing anything to make them think he probably won't do it. So let's say it is Lodolo who goes into the rotation. Well, Hunter Green is not far away. Um, the guy spent time at 65 innings at AAA last year. He's basically just a month away, maybe, and like you say, an injury away. I think both of these guys are going to play. Whichever one doesn't make the team out of spring training, grab the other guy too because he's not far. So I think that would be one area to look at. They're, they're different pitchers, right? <laughs> Hunter Green goes triple digits and Lodolo has good control. Um, we want to make sure Green has that third pitch, that changeup really, you know, doing well. I wouldn't be surprised if he spends a month in AAA working on that. Um, I think Lodolo's ready. I think he's he is who he is, and he's going to be a pretty good pitcher. Yeah, and uh, it's fascinating because with all the really late shuffling of, of free agency and trades and, and things of that nature – that does create some of these holes that we normally would have seen, you know, happen in December and January lead us into a traditional spring training. They all kind of happen. Boom, boom, boom. Right. All the dominoes sort of fell all at once. So uh, that's a really good point of saying Cincinnati is a perfect example. They deal their, you know, they're dealing starting pitchers or some starting pitchers are hurt. Somebody's got to pitch the innings. They have guys at AAA that they've been grooming anyway. Now they might get maybe more rushed than what we anticipated a year or year uh, and a half ago, but they're still going to be up. So if you have uh, Lodolo, if you have green already on your roster, you know, that's something to be prepared for. If you're hunting for guys know that that may increase their value because they are right on the cusp instead of thinking, Oh, they're probably going to show up 2023, you know, late 2022, 2023. Now that ETA gets moved up, that increases that value. So it may be a little bit harder to deal with those guys. So just other things to be aware of. Um, so those two are, are really good to know who's somebody else that's catching your attention. I just want to say about Lodolo, uh, don't sleep on him. Uh, if you think, oh, it's just going to be sort of a, a, you know, an average Cincinnati pitcher, not a good team. He's really good. <laughs> In 2019, he faced 74 batters. He walked none of them. <laughs> This is a guy who's got control. Plus, he strikes out like crazy a lot of guys. So anyway, definitely those guys. Um, over for the Guardians, Cleveland Guardians, um, again, it, he may make the team out of spring training, but Stephen Kwan, um, outfielder for them, 
he's going to be a really interesting player to watch because this guy is amazing with the bat. It's not like he has a lot of power, but the guy routinely has more walks and strikeouts. I told you that's my my wit my weakness, right? This guy has that. It's just phenomenal. Last year he showed some power, and when I was at uh, the first pitch forum the Baseball HQ puts out in Arizona um, in the fall. I was there and um, I actually asked Eric Longenhagen and Chris Blessing of Fangraphs and Baseball HQ. They had a, a, a session where they just do Q&A and I asked them about Stephen Kwan. And I said, look, suddenly the power developed last year. And Eric said, well, it's really was an, uh, more of an environment thing. It wasn't that the power is there. The hard hit rate wasn't really that great. And that's true. So he's saying, don't think of him as a power guy. But even if he has a little bit more power, that bad control is fantastic. So if for some reason he doesn't make the team, he will be up. I mean, he's ready. The guy is going to he's going to hit 300 from from day one, uh, unless something really goes wrong. That's so out of character for him. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, we love uh, Stephen Kwan here. I got to admit to the audience. So, number one, love to shout out, uh, love to call him Rich Homie, right? Stephen, Rich Homie Kwan. Um, but I uh, I have to admit to the audience, I did just trade Stephen Kwan. I had good intention, though. I have good <laughs> intention for trading him, and I still wish him all the best. I still really am interested to see. And, and it's for everything that you just outlined, Nick, yeah. in all honesty. Yeah. Uh, and and that's, that's good insight as far as environmental, I think. You know, obviously, a lot of the data gets a little black boxed with uh, minor league players. Uh, it's a little bit hard if you don't know where to look to find things like park factors for uh, minor league parks. I know it's out there, but you got to just be sort of savvy to, to keep that sort of stuff in mind. It's not as um, obvious as my, my book will tell you which leagues to watch out for. It's, well, it's there right there. There you go. Perfect <laughs> plug. Perfect plug. So um, with that being said, that's really good call out about environment. But to your point just having a little bit right just yeah. even if it's just doubles power just, just because enough. of the speed yeah just yeah. to get the respect of the pitchers that bat control will play yeah absolutely so i i'll be interested the guardians team uh outside of uh you know i think they're i think they're confident with having miles straw as their center fielder um but outside of that you know the outfield is open they're, i mean they're yeah. still giving Daniel Johnson at bat. So that's kind of yeah. tells you about what's going on right. in Cleveland. Like I think Steven can can beat out Daniel Johnson at least. So so Quan is uh like I said, I'm a big fan. Glad to see him getting called out and glad to see him doing well. He made a great defensive play. I was watching yeah. um I forget who they were playing, but I was I am doing like rewatches. So I'm rewinding, I'm going back through like older games. So I'm kind of thrown off on which game and what day it was, but he made a phenomenal catch going up against the wall the other day. So I mean just doing everything that you want to see from a young guy to put himself in the mix to force the franchise's hand to have to call him up or keep him in the mix at some point in time. The another guy that I would like to draw attention to and um probably isn't as exciting a name, but these guys have value. It's a left-handed pitcher for the Yankees, J.P. Sears. This guy had a fantastic year last year. In AAA, as a starter, he had a .975 whip while striking out a third of the batters he faced while walking only 5% of them. And 
he had 53 innings at AAA. So he's ready to help as soon as there's injuries on the Yankees. What? Injuries on the Yankee pitching staff? Could that ever happen? Of course it's going to happen. It's going to happen a lot. But even if that doesn't happen, I could see him coming up and if not a spot starter, he could suddenly do um, a middle inning. Uh, he could basically help them wherever they need. And the fact that he did so well at AAA last year tells me that this is a guy who's ready to contribute in the major leagues. And as we talked about earlier, he's the perfect kind of arm that they could package in a deal for someone who's looking for a starter. He's a starter ready for whatever team needs him. And I think he could produce some value this year, J.P. Sears. So that's um, that's another good name to know. I had somebody that is, again, shout out to Kyle. That's a pitcher digs guy that I happen to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't super high on him just because I didn't know what the end game was, but I think what you're putting together, the, the way you're valuing him makes a lot of sense, right? It, he's, again, going to be somebody that is going to get major league innings at some point in time this year just because of the nature of the mm-hmm. Yankee staff, right? So you're going to see him in, in real life. Thus far, he's shown the ability. He's, he's given the results, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not just speculating. And really, it's just a matter of where do they, where does he finally end up? And that can kind of be your barometer for how you want to finally uh, roster him. So is he somebody that you need to, like, drop everything and go out and get right now? Maybe not, but definitely somebody to keep an eye on. And once yep. you see that, that notification that he's getting called up, maybe somebody that you can just pull up to stream if you need to, to make up innings in your uh, league and hang on to him, see what happens from there. Right, uh, he's probably going to be a free ad in, in most leagues. Absolutely, you don't have to spend, spend dollars on him. No so, one's going to care about him. Yep. But he's fastball, slider, changeup. He can pitch, and whether he does it for the Yankees in the middle innings or he's in someone else, this is the year he's going to start to get some major league innings. So for me, uh, there there's three names that I wanted to point out: uh, Mike Adolfo for the White Sox has really been doing well. And and I know the White Sox are kind of in that matured phase where mm-hmm. most of their spots are kind of taken up with, with some real major league players, not just fringe guys. So it's going to be kind of hard for him to carve out the at-bats, but he's doing everything he can. Uh, he's definitely a corner guy. He's not somebody that is probably going to play in center, probably somebody that you want to stick, most likely in left field, not even really in right. But he's hitting the snot out the ball. He's doing everything he can from a power standpoint. He's not striking out too much. And from a triple-A standpoint uh, in the minor leagues, he's done everything he's he can do there. There's really nothing for him to do in triple-A anymore. So I would like to see him maybe as a fourth outfielder on the White Sox. Um, I know with, like, Sheets and Vaughn, and they're, they're talking about moving Vaughn to second, maybe kind of, sort of, but not really. I know there's a lot of, of mixed pieces there, but I would love to see Adolfo carve out some of the backs just to see what he does at the major league level. Because, uh, again, he's a guy that's – he's graduated. He's, there's nothing for him to do in the minor leagues anymore. I, I agree with that, that he's he's done it in AAA, did about as well as you could hope for. He's never going to be a high batting average kind of guy, but the power is real. And so if you pick him up in the end game just to get an extra power bat in there and uh, he gives you a few home runs, great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the second guy, and, and this guy has been burning up the charts – from from the time that Mick and I actually started talking about uh, you coming on the show to now, um, he hit at least one other home run. It may have been two in that week time uh, span. But this is Ezekiel Tovar of the Rockies shortstop. And 20 years old, 
believe high A is where he was playing last year. You love to see this because he's not making the team, right? He's not making right. ready, but he's playing against major league players in the spring training game. And he's doing everything that you want to see anybody, any prospect do. And for him to be this young, what I, I was thinking about it this morning actually is the beauty of it uh, for the Rockies, hopefully, if they, if they, if they get their stuff together, <laughs> is when you have a young guy like Tovar, who, again, is probably going to be starting the year at high A again, yeah. and you invite him into your major league camp, he's having such a great year. You want to just you want him to start the minor leagues as soon as possible because you want that confidence and that good start to the year, to his season, to just continue. And so you can start to move him quickly, right? You want it to be he blows the, the everybody out the water at high A, and in a month you're promoting him to double A and really starting to see what he can do. That's yeah. the smart thing. Again, the Rockies, who knows what they actually will do, but that's the smart thing Not to the do. smart thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you love to see it with Tovar. So, you know, if you can if you can kind of hold your nose at the organization that he's playing for, he's uh, somebody, I, I'll be honest, I was trying to trade for him. The manager was not relinquishing, and I don't blame them. But yeah. he's somebody that I would suggest you go and get because he has that sort of talent already. And to see what he's doing against major leaguers at such a young age, even though he's not, he's still raw. Again, it's only going to help his game. I think. Yeah, with the the sudden power that he showed, mm-hmm. it's like okay, this is a guy who could eventually be a twenty twenty guy, and uh, the middle infield that's that's useful. Yeah, absolutely. And the third guy that I have from the the major league level, he's another guy that I think is completely graduated and there's really nothing for him to do at the AAA level. And that's Gabriel Arias, another Cleveland Guardian. Um, The spring training games, it looks like they've been mostly playing him at second base. He's a shortstop by nature. He Mm -hmm. can play both. Uh, He has a cannon for an arm. So a lot of people are speculating that they should put him at shortstop. Uh, If you've been following Cleveland at all, you should know that they have a glut of middle infielders, second base and shortstops kind of by trade that they've been looking to mix and match and figure out, especially after Lindor is gone, who's going to be the future of uh, the the middle infield in Cleveland. And I think Arias Elise says it, it should be the first guy out the gate. Uh, he's always been able to hit well. I think what he's shown from what I've seen thus far in the spring training is uh, the bat control is there and the approach has gotten better. One of the things that I've read looking at his previous scouting reports is that was always the question is it's not can he hit, but it's just does he have the plate discipline and the approach where he doesn't swing at everything. And that always for bat control guys, that almost always is the bugaboo. If I can put my bat on the ball on any pitch that's around, I'm swinging at everything. And once you get to the major league level, that tends to be you're grounding out, you're popping yep. up, you're swinging at pitcher pitches right. instead of swinging at your pitches. And it seems like RS has, has been able to flip that switch thus far. Um, his, I'll admit, his ceiling is not super high, I don't think, but he's so solid defensively. You know he's going to play there. That's never going to be a question. And for me, if he can continue to have this approach, he's a 270-280 type of batting average guy, and he'll yep. definitely get you double digits and home runs. And again, like we were talking about with Tovar, that plays at, at middle infield. And if he's has second base and shortstop eligibility, that's even more valuable. Yep. I agree. And what I like about him looking at his numbers is as you say, the back draw, he used to strike out more than he does now. And so he's, he's striking out less, he's walking more. And that was the key. If he can do that, then he can give you a pretty good batting average and the, the rest will follow. 
Absolutely. So that's kind of uh, our six combined that we're looking at from the major league standpoint. So guys that are in major league camps and looking at uh, knocking on the door there. So let's talk about minor league spring training. And again, those games and scrimmages really aren't televised unless you're in the area. Um, The visibility is a lot less, but there's some things that if you're following the right beat writers, if you're looking through Twitter, you can pick up on some info and some video. Um, Are there any players at the minor league level, just guys that you're keeping an eye on um, that are players of note for you, Nick? Yeah, definitely. Um, One of the things that I look for is players who have sort of uh, broken out of their box where the scouts, you know, think of them as this player type and then they grow and now they're no longer that player. They're a better player. Can they do it again? Right. We mentioned Stephen Kwan earlier, a little bit of power last year. Will we show power this year? Is it consolidated or was that a fluke? Right. Well, one of the pitchers I'm looking at this year is Freddie Tarnock of the, the Braves organization. Um, he was the, one of those guys that in 2018 and 2019, he put up really ordinary numbers in A and high A. In 2021, he repeats high A and he suddenly is a different pitcher. He's doubling his strikeout rate and his whip comes way down. His XFIP is really good now. And then he goes to double A and it's even better. And so suddenly he's like a pitching prospect. And I'm wondering, what did we see last year? The the thing about 2020 is it kind of was a lost year. It's like a black box for us. We have no idea sometimes what these guys were doing in 2020. Some of them made real progress that we just didn't see. And so you see 2019, blah. 2021, wow, what happened in 2020, right? I think something happened there, and he became a much better pitcher. So what I want to see is if he repeats double A to start the year and then moves to triple A as the year goes on, if he consolidates what he did last year, he's going to become a top pitching prospect. I'm very interested to see how he does. So that's Freddie Tarnock, and again, you guys should know by now we're going to have all the names in the show notes for you guys to to put on your watch list and follow up and do your own research on. Um, who's the second guy that's on your list from the minor league level? Second guy I would focus on, I want to see, is uh, Corey Lee, a catcher for the uh, Astros. He is one of those guys that is not going to be really flashy. He doesn't have a lot of power. And he does okay in the the walk rate. His on-base percentage sort of, you know, can vary. But what he doesn't do is strike out that much. And so what he does is he puts the ball in play. And he's got good enough bat control that I think this is one of those catchers. When he comes up to the major leagues, he's going to be a, a guy who's batting average never dips below 250. For example, when you're looking for your second catcher late in the draft, you're in the do no harm phase of that draft, right? You just, who can you hold your nose and grab as your second catcher? Someone like Corey Lee is someone who's not going to hurt your batting average. And that's an interesting thing to see a catcher who's not going to come up and hit 220. I know, I know we're, we're, we, we are so, we, 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 get so little from catchers that anything is like a breath of fresh air. I think Corey Lee has the back control to be a decent catcher. 
I think the thing for Corey Lee that I'm fascinated by, and I've been keeping an eye on Lee, um, also because uh, I'm covering the Astros minor leagues for Prospects 1500. Sure. So I, I've been trying to keep an eye on, on everything Astros and their organization, kind of similar to the White Sox in, in the fact of, you know, it's, it's very matured, right? All their guys we, we know have now become superstars. So there's not a whole lot of big name uh, guys down in the minor leagues because the Astros have done so well over the years. They're not, you know, they're not picking in the lottery, so to speak. But the thing with Lee that I thought was interesting and it sounds like they've been experimenting and I don't know if they'll continue is having him play some third as well. And so now you start to think, okay, well, okay. based on what you're saying, right? Catcher, he can give me at least 250 uh, double digits power. I think that that's for him probably low teens, right? Yep. Low, low yep. teens, more than little, 10. Little pop. Right. And then if he can get some third base eligibility, if even if he's limited in his uh, range at third base, so they're not playing him every day, but he's taking a couple of days there just to get his bat in the lineup, give Bregman a rest, that sort of thing. All of a sudden, that becomes a very interesting prospect to keep an eye on, right, and to watch. Especially if he is end up hitting like 260 or 270, which exactly. he is definitely capable of doing. Exactly, exactly. So Corley is another very interesting name to, to watch in the minor league season to see what he does. Um, I expect him to be in AAA uh, to start the year, or at least very shortly once the year gets started. And then there's just something to kind of keep an eye on, keep your um, ear to the street about what they're doing with him defensively and how he's producing uh, at the bat. Um, who's the third guy that you have on your list here? Third guy is a favorite. Um, Jose Buto of the Mets. Uh, Joey Butts. Yep, Joey, Joey Butts. Butts. <laughs> Got a pitcher for the Mets. His chart was a thing of beauty. I just love looking at the progression from 2018, where he's sort of blah, 2019, where he's sort of pretty good, 2021 at, double, at, at high A, where he's getting interesting, and then he goes to double A, and he's very interesting. Those are my favorite kinds of progressions, where you see a guy who's climbing levels and getting better, which means his skills are improving so much that even though he's facing tougher competition, he's still doing better on the field. And it was hilarious. His walk rate, 2018, 19, high A, 2021, double A, goes 8%, 7%, 6%, 5%. Oh, I so want him to do 4% this year. <laughs> I just, want to see just him. Keep it consistent, right? Keep just it going, man. Keep it going. <laughs> do 3% in AAA, come up to the majors, do 2%, and you're my hero. <laughs> but seriously, this is a guy who is just coming into his own. And so some of these um, pitchers, you, you ignore them if they weren't like, you know, super high draftees with great scouting reports and blah, blah, blah. Some of these guys just take time to develop, but they do develop. They get those skills. They work on those pitches. And suddenly you've got yourself a good pitching prospect. And I think he is a good pitching prospect. I think if he has some time in AAA this year, you could see him later in this season with the Mets. And remember, guys, if you listen to last week's episode that I had Nate Handy on, uh, the sort of takeaway quote that I had from Nate that I thought was so valuable when you're thinking about pitching prospects specifically is Nate talked about it's such an art, it's such a craft. And a lot of these guys that we're talking about at that high A, double A, even some of the triple A guys haven't even fully tapped into their skill set yet. Uh, yes. The way Nate put it, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, he said they haven't even learned the pitch that's going to make them millions at the major league level. They haven't that's even right. gotten there yet. And 
Jose Buto is a perfect example of that type of guy. You're seeing the progression, just like Nick is calling mm-hmm. out. You're seeing the results show up. But what that also indicates to me is that he's learning at every level. He's learning how to be better. So I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know what his velo looks like. I don't know about the spin rates on his breaking balls. That may have stayed the same. I don't I don't know. But what I like to see is plus, the fact that plus spin and late ride. He's he's got good quality pitches. So there you go. So so not only do you have the quality, but also I like the the thought process of a guy building his baseball uh, IQ as he's going up the ranks. He's learning how to pitch better, how to be more efficient, how to execute more and more. So you love to see that. You do. And if I could give one lesson to listeners that I want them to take home is do not judge a player and think that's how he will be forever. These guys are young. They are changing. You cannot keep them in a certain uh, bucket forever. If they break out of that, let them judge them differently. So don't write off a guy and think he'll never be any good. Some of these guys come back and they're very good. Yeah, I mean, Mackenzie Gore is putting us all to shame right now. A lot of he people, is. a lot of people are about to eat crow, Mackenzie Gore. I'm, so oh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. <laughs> um, so for me, so so those three guys, uh, Tarnock, Lee, Buto, I think are really great callouts. Um, for me, I have two names. One has come up on this episode before. I'm completely just, uh, I, I'm in the the can form like. You wouldn't believe. I talk about him on Twitter. I talk about him on Discord. That's Iverson Artiega. I'm just a believer. Um, he seems to have some early success in the Giants minor league camp. And just like we talked about with Tovar at the major league level, for a guy that's as young as Artiega is, uh, any sort of success, you just want to see. You want him to hit the ground running every season. You don't want him to fall into um, any prolonged slumps, if possible. Baseball is hard. Everybody has slumps. But the more success a young guy can have early, just the more that boosts their confidence. And then once they get into those slumps, they know that they can break out of it because they've done it before. They have that to fall back on. So I I like to see that. I'm a believer that he's a a legit shortstop. I, quite honestly, if I'm trying to look in the crystal ball and look at what the Giants organization looks like in the next three years, like what that starting lineup is, at the major league level, it looks like Luciano is at third. Artiega is at shortstop. That's the way I, I kind of foresee it. Who knows? These guys, just like Nick was saying, all these guys are young. Who knows what happens? But what I want to see from um, Artiega is he should be uh, remaining at low A. He played in one game at low A mm-hmm. uh, last year, and I actually happened to see it. And I talked about this in this past month's uh, newsletter as well. And, and so it was, it was like three at-bats. He yep. looked good. You know, he didn't look overmatched, but it wasn't a whole lot that you can take from it. I want to see him, you know, have a full season at low A and just be left alone and just have a full season, have his ups and downs, have a hot month, have a cold month, and just see how he acclimates to the whole uh, being a pro situation. And then I really think at the end of this year, I think he's going to be a guy that starts to creep into those 200 uh, top 150, I think, might be a little bit much, but I definitely see him in that top 200 range if he's not all, already there for a lot of prospect lists where, again, he's he's young, he's got a long way to go, but mm-hmm. just build and build and build. So, uh, like I said, I'm I'm in the tank for Artiega. 
You know, Lamar, I think I'm catching on to another type. You like toolsy, toolsy outfielders. I think you also like infielders that don't have any weaknesses, even if they don't necessarily have plus tools. I, you know <laughs> what? I, you know what it is. I think it's. I think ultimately, it's wish fulfillment, right? It's me foreseeing yeah, if I exactly. was skilled enough to be yep. in their shoes. These are the types of players that I would like to be. <laughs> so I think that's what it is. I think I think about little league Lamar, and I'm like, yeah. This is the type of player Little League Lamar would have been. <laughs> um, so yeah, you're probably you're you're, you're telling the truth. You, you got me. You got me. I got you. Okay. Um, the second guy, and I got to shout out um, Josh Norris of Baseball America for sharing the footage, and uh, you guys may or may not have seen it this past week of Owen White, and he was mowing down some Mariners prospects. So shout out to Josh for for putting that footage up on Twitter. Um, I've been a fan of Owen White going back into last year. He had some weird injuries. He, he already was injured from 2020, so he was already kind of rehabbing. Um, then he had a broken hand that was kind of underreported. That was kind of an odd situation. But he popped up and was able to get a few innings in in 2021 at the low-A level real quick for the Rangers organization, and he was pretty much lights out. And then he goes to the Arizona Fall League, and he ends up being their pitcher uh, of, of the year at, at the Fall League as well, even more lights out. I'm being quite honest. I see him at double A, at least by the end of the season. I don't see him messing around with a ball very long if he keeps this up. I think the I think the skills are there for White, but I also think the Rangers organization believes him in him that much. They've been, uh, if you watch Rangers Twitter, so to speak, uh, they've been packaging him and Lighter a lot as far as um, the sort of PR stuff that you do with young prospects and, and uh, high draft D picks the coming to the stadium, you know, the jersey, you know, having your jersey, some of the sort of meet and greet stuff. It's been white and lighter kind of together. And that to me says, we know what lighter is, you know, what his scouting yeah. report was and how yeah. much value they put in him. If you're putting this guy uh, there, you obviously have some belief in what he can do. And I see again, him being able to move very quickly through a ball low and high and end up in double a, like I said, at least by the end of the season and maybe even earlier than that. I'm 100% with you on Owen White. I think this is a guy who may not have like really dominant stuff, but he's got five pitches, five pitches that he knows how to use, and that's going to play. And I think he's going to be, you know, not top of the rotation, but a really solid back of the rotation, number four kind of guy. Um, I think he and, and Leiter will have uh, nice careers together. Yeah, and if you uh, also, just to kind of add in, talking about the Rangers organization, I think people are now, uh, from the fantasy standpoint, are just now starting to understand that the Rangers, their pitching uh, philosophy is really starting to change and take different shape than what it has been in the past. And I think a good indicator of that was some comments we saw from Spencer Howard that were, I'll be honest, they were kind of more dismissive of what was happening in Philadelphia but I think you can also read through the the lines and read the tea leaves of what he's getting in Texas is not only different, but it really is a lot more helpful and encouraging to him. And Spencer Howard obviously was a highly valued uh, prospect when he was with Philadelphia. Things really mm-hmm. didn't break his way and mm-hmm. things are starting to take that turn. Dane Dunning is another one, highly valued with Chicago, didn't yep. really go his way. Now he's with Texas. Now these guys aren't lights out aces. Nope. But you're starting to see the turn. We're starting to see the, oh, yeah, this is why they were 
high draft deep in the first place. This is why they were highly valued in the first place. They're starting to be able to tap into that um, potential and that capability. So Texas is starting to do something from the pitching standpoint that I think will earn them some some notice. So, uh, like I said, Owen White, I, I'm a big fan of him, and I see him rise, rise, rising up through the ranks very quickly uh, in a very short amount of time. So those are my two guys from the minor league level. Um, before we sign off here, Nick, anything else uh, from a, a breakdown standpoint or any other players that you wanted to highlight? I just want to mention that your point is well taken, that there are some organizations that really develop players well. And if you're looking for guys to pick up, look for those organizations. And the fact is, who those organizations are vary over the years. It, it morphs from this group over here to this group over there, depending on where the coaches go. But when you see an organization really develops the pitchers, grab those guys, grab those prospects. If you see um, an organization that just gets amazing results from batters, guys that you think, how do they do that? Look at the Giants, what they did last year, right? How, how are they doing that? You find a, a batter in that organization, they're getting coached right somehow. Tampa's getting all these good pitchers coming up, and, and Cleveland has had that run. And then that's one of those things that if you find that, um, don't don't fight those trends. Go with those trends. It works. Absolutely. So with that being said, Nick, again, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day and joining us and, and giving us such great insight into a lot of lot of good players. Um, this is uh, this is promotion time. So I know you got the book. If you want to plug that again, any other uh, yeah. articles or anything that's coming out? Um, well, for Baseball HQ, uh, less than two weeks away, it's opening day, Major League opening day. And we have always on opening day or a day or two later, we have one long article where we write up every minor league eligible player that made the opening day roster. And that'll be dozens and dozens of names all get written up. So that's coming soon. As far as uh, my site, milbanalysis.com, I'm going to throw it out to your listeners as a, a freebie. If you follow me on Twitter, Nick Richards HQ, suggest somebody. I'll write them up for you. Anybody you you want. If I haven't already done it, I will give you a write-up. Perfect. So guys, check out the site first so you're not giving him repeats. And the book is listed there. I have a a tab on my site. You'll see all about the book. Um, It's all there. Uh, Follow me. I'm happy to interact with people, talk about minor leaguers with anybody. Perfect. So again, guys, check out the site, milbanalysis.com. Check out the book. We're going to have a link to it in the show notes as well. So you guys will have a quick, easy access to see the book and and make that purchase as well. Um, And then hit Nick up on Twitter, send him some new names, send him some guys he hasn't already taken a look at. See if you can stump him. See if you can send him some guys that he's like, wow, how did I miss this guy? Um, Or if you're related to somebody. Yeah, there you go. You never know. You never know. Uh, but with that being said, want to get uh, once again want to shout out the um, Pitcherless Podcast Network, the Pitcherless Podcast page. Uh, all the podcasts like ourselves are available on the podcast section of Pitcherless for you to find, listen, and subscribe. Again, you can find Nick at Nick Richards HQ. I am at Inside Fastball Capital I Capital F. Feel free to ping us with questions and comments. And with that being said, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day.